We now have uh, great pleasure in inviting Brother Bob to uh, come forward and to enlighten us about this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Thanks, Brother Bob. Good evening, my beloved brothers and sisters and young people. I'd like to tell you how happy I am to be back home again here. We have fond memories of being in this hall on previous occasions and meeting in sweet fellowship with so many of you. And it's just great to be back. When I was a little boy, and that was a long, long, long time ago, I can remember grown-ups saying to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? So little boys have dreams of what they would like to be, sometimes want to be cowboys, airline pilots, firemen, astronauts. When I was a little boy, nobody wanted to be an astronaut. They hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> One little boy said, when I grew up, I want to either be an automobile mechanic or a garbage collector. And someone said, why do you want to be one of those two? And he said, so I can get dirty. <laughs> now, little girls are different. And little girls, they want to be nurses, and they want to be models, and they, they want to be mothers, and they play house. And sometimes they even want to be firewomen, too, because we have firewomen as well as firemen over our way. But here I am looking at an audience of primarily grown adults. And you might say, why are you asking me that question? But I'm going to ask it just the same. What do you want to be when you grow up? You might think you're grown, but not from God's viewpoint you aren't. Paul told us that when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I, I put away childish things. But we all, if we're honest, have to admit that sometimes we carry childish things on into our adulthood. But from God's viewpoint, all of us, without exception, you're all little children. In our classes over the weekend, we mentioned the fact that poor Methuselah never even lived to see Monday morning. Because Peter tells us that a thousand years is just like one day to God. Since he lived only 969 years, he was dead before the first day was over. And so using a thousand years as a scale, there's no one in this room that has lived to see 3 a.m because you would be 125 years old at 3 a.m. And none of us live that long. So James asks this question, what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanisheth away. So if we haven't lived till 3 a.m., we haven't lived very long in God's viewpoint. And then Isaiah tells us that the nations are like a drop in a bucket. And they are regarded as dust of the scales. And when, when you look at the old-fashioned scales, and you put something on one side and you put something on the other, and you see, you know, the, the nations, 
all the nations, the whole world is like the dust on one side. It doesn't even make it go down a little bit. So we really are not that important when it comes to thinking, look who I am, when all the nations of the world are just like the dust of the balance. And yet God knows each one of us by name and he cares about us and that's a wonderful thing to behold, to remember, and to take comfort in. Now, Paul told us if any man thinks that he knows anything, he doesn't know anything like he ought to know. So no matter how much we think we know, we, the biggest room you have in your house is a room for improvement, and you don't know what you ought to know. All of us are in that boat together. And so from God's viewpoint, we're all little children, and we're all learning, and we hope that God will be patient with us because he's not finished with us yet. We're all still a work in progress. And so if we turn our Bibles to the first letter of John, uh, John is going to continually call us little children. First John chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, my little children, he's talking to grown-up people. I've been invited to speak to you tonight, and I'm asking you what you want to do when you grow up. And John is saying, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. So that really is a good letter to read. It can help you from sinning, so we should study it. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And then if you cast your eyes down a few verses in the same chapter, coming in at verse 28, he says again, now little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So twice in that chapter, he says, my little children. Then you go to the third chapter, and in verse 7, he says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Again, little children. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And then chapter 4. Ye are of God, verse 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than that he is in the world. So the Apostle John, this lovely brother that wrote an epistle, two, two epistles and one gospel, he continually calls us little children. But you know, he wasn't the only one who did this. Paul did it too in Galatians 4, 19. My little children. Now this is an interesting verse. Because Paul is talking about us. He wrote to those in Galatia, but these words were written for us too because we are, they apply to us. My little children, he says, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He's talking about babies that are hardly born, travailing in birth. Paul is using picturesque language to describe himself as a parent uh, to those he was trying to motivate to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So we may think that we are full grown, but Paul and John thought of us as little children. And in Galatians, he's even saying, you're just being born, travailing in birth. You're, you're newborns. And these were fully grown adults he was addressing. Now we all are familiar with what happened in that upper room just before Jesus went out to be crucified. And Jesus waited until after Judas left. 
And Judas was really upsetting Jesus. You could feel the tension that Jesus was feeling, having this betrayer in his midst, though he got down on his knees and washed his feet. And when he left, he says, what thou doest, do quickly. And then Jesus seems to sigh a sigh of relief, and he turns to the 11, and he refers to them as little children. He never used the phrase little children until Judas was gone. It was a form of endearment. Jesus loved them, and he called them little children. But he didn't include Judas in those remarks. So with Paul telling us that he's travailing in birth, that we might be we, travailing with us, that we might be born, uh, he tells the Ephesians what we ought to be doing as little children. What do you want to be when you grow up? Listen, it's, it's, the answer is coming up. But speak the truth in love and grow up. <laughs> so sometimes we say to the child, grow up. Well, they grow up too fast sometimes. If you have grown children, you realize how fast it is when they come and they're gone. And then you have grandchildren and they're coming and they're gone. And then you have great-grandchildren and they're still coming. <laughs> but Paul is saying, speak the truth in love and grow up unto him in all things. That is the head, Christ. So we're back to that original question. What do you want to be when you grow up? And we have the answer now. Paul says, grow up and be like Jesus. That's what we want to do. You might say, well, of course, he was a young man when he died. But he was the most mature person who ever lived. He packed so much in 33 years, more than even Methuselah did in 969 years. And so in our readings, which we read before we began in 1 John 3, uh, John says, beloved, now, we're talking about now, right, this evening, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, that's the Lord Jesus, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we want to grow up to be like Jesus. And when Jesus comes, we are going to be like him. We're going to share his nature. He's going to give us the same kind of immortal body that he now possesses. So Paul is telling us to grow up by speaking the truth in love. And we want to then try to do that in our everyday life. If we're successful in maturing, then when our Lord comes, he will invite us to truly be like him by sharing his nature and living forever in his kingdom. So what a great future you have. We, of all the people in the whole world, have the greatest future of anybody. The promise of eternal life with the Lord Jesus in his kingdom. But in order to do that, you've got to grow up now. You've got to try to be like Jesus now, or you'll never be like he is <clears throat> now. <clears throat> if, you're, if you don't emulate his life as a mortal, you will not ever emulate or be like his life as an immortal. So Paul travailed in birth for his children. Now in olden times, uh, in fact in Australia even today, you have much larger families uh, than we seem to have in America. And in a very big family, there would be lots of brothers and sisters. And the older brothers and sisters would be a great help to mom and dad in bringing up their siblings. And that same thing is happening this evening right here in Bullaroo. 
because we are a family. And some of us are a lot older than some of the rest of us. And so the older siblings are to help the younger siblings to grow up. Since we're all children, some of us are just older children, and since we've been around a little bit longer, we can be a great help to the young ones coming along. And so we have to recognize the responsibility that we have as brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ in helping our younger brothers and sisters to grow up and to be more like Jesus. Now we know that children are great imitators of their parents and of their older brothers and sisters. They want to do what mommy and daddy are doing. And so the younger members of this ecclesia or your ecclesia, wherever it might be, are all watching you that are older. And you might as well recognize that they are copying you even if you don't want them to. We have a bumper sticker over in America that says, don't follow me, I'm lost. But people do follow you, and you would be surprised. Even children look up to older children, older children look up to teenagers, teenagers look up to adults, and adults look up to other adults. You are being watched by those around you. And what you are is hollering so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. There's no use you telling, be faithful to the truth, you know, hold up the standards high, and then they find that you're cheating on your income tax, or you're doing things that a servant of Christ would not do. There's no use a father saying to his son, you always tell the truth, don't you ever lie, but if the phone rings, tell him I'm not home. <laughs> you see, they see right through us, and we need to realize that, and so we have to always be on our guard to make sure that we are a good example to others. And so, me being a stranger here, you know that I do not know all these precious little children, uh, especially if they're all running around, I don't know which one always belongs to which parents. But if, when this meeting was over, and all these children are enjoying their little treats, and I went up and spoke unkindly to one of these dear little children. And the parent heard me. What's the parent going to think? That's my precious little girl. That, that's my little. You talk to him like that. You see, they wouldn't like it, and they were right. Now, what's the point? Well, you see, we're all God's children, and he's watching us. And when you say something that's not very nice about another one of God's children, he hears it. And he doesn't like it. You better be careful how you talk about God's other children, because they're all in this room, and they're all over. And we sometimes say really unkind things, too, and sometimes about another brother or sister. And everything you're saying is heard by God. You, 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 have, you have no secrets. And so we have to be so careful that we always speak the truth in love. That's what Paul said we do. Grow up and speak the truth in love. Now, I have experienced parents, fortunately not very often in Christian homes, but it has happened in them too, 
who have spoken very unkindly to their own little children. And I've seen them jerk them around. You know, children are a precious little thing. And, and you know, even their arm sockets are precious. And I've heard, seen kids, parents grab a child and grab his arm, and I think, ooh, he's gonna, he's gonna pull it out of the socket. And it does sometimes happen. And, and they're mad, come with me. You see, we always, as an older brother or sister, we always have to be in control of our emotions in our home, in our ecclesia, and everywhere we go. You must never let go of you and just be unkind to anyone. And that's not easy to do, but it is right to do. And so, what do you want to be when you grow up? You want to be more like Jesus. And Jesus was kind and compassionate and forgiving and helpful, even to those who were not very nice to him. Now, we think of John. We've quoted John. We've read from John tonight. He was the, the favorite disciple, apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe. It, he had a favorite. He loved them all, but he certainly, John stood out. And we read his epistles, and we read his gospel, and we think, what a loving brother he was. But he wasn't always like that. There was a time when he was following Jesus. He'd been baptized. He was living a different life, following the Jesus. He'd given up his boat. He'd walked away from his fishing business, and he was devoting his life to Jesus. And yet Jesus called John and his brother James sons of thunder. And why did he call them sons of thunder? Well, we know because we've read Luke chapter 9 before. And these two young men were full of love for Jesus, and they were willing to stand up for Jesus, and if you don't do what we say, we'll burn you up. And they thought they were on good, solid ground because they were referring to Elijah. And if Elijah did that, we have a right to be that way too. And so in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, it came to pass when the time was come that Jesus should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into us village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Now these Samaritans wouldn't receive him. They did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. <clears throat> and when his disciples, James and John, they are angry at those people for mistreating their Lord. You don't treat Jesus that way. And so they turned to Jesus and said, Lord, wilt thou command that we command fire to come down from him and burn him up just like Elijah did. We'll show those people, you be nice to Jesus or we'll burn you up. And Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So you see that John, at that point in his life, still had some growing up to do. He had been baptized. He was following Jesus, but God was not finished with him yet. And that son of thunder eventually became 
the beloved apostle of love. And again, again, you remember Peter. Jesus says to Peter, I've prayed for you. And when, when you're converted, strengthen your brother. What, what do you mean when I'm, I've been with you, I've been baptized, I've been fallen. When I'm converted, I'm converted. No, Peter, you are not yet converted. You will soon deny three times you even know me. You see, please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. God was not finished with John when he was a son of thunder. He was not finished with Peter when he was denying his Lord. And aren't you thankful? That's why we're talking this way. Aren't you thankful he's not finished with you yet? Because you still have some growing up to do. Now, you could be offended at me. I'm sorry if I offend you. I don't mean to. But if the truth offends you, then I can't help that. Because all of us still have some more growing up to do, no matter how old we may be. And so we have to try to act like Jesus. And even on the way to death, those who mistreated him, he refused to hurt. He came to save them, not to destroy them. And so, in 2 Timothy, we read in verse 19 of chapter 2. This was a book, the chapter we read. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knows those that are his. You know, he knows about you. He knows you're sitting down because David says he knows you want to sit down. He knows you want to stand up. He knows, he knows you have a number of hairs on your head. And you know that's not very many for some of us. But still more than I know about. The Lord knows all about us. Let, now as a result of that, let everyone name the name of Christ. Let everyone that's named the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now he said in a, in a great house there are great, many vessels. And he talks about us having one body being many parts. Vessels of gold and of silver, vessels of wood and earth. Some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared under every good work. Now we're coming to the part about growing up. What do you want to be when you grow up? Verse 22, flee youthful lusts. Grow up. Don't do those silly things that youth are so often doing. And the sad thing about it is that youthful lusts even carry over into old age. I can speak from experience now because now I'm old. <laughs> and we never stop being tempted to sin. When you're no longer tempted, you are dead. And so you run away from the things that would tempt you. Get out of there, get away. Continue, but follow righteousness and faith and love and peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle only unto Christadelphians. Is that what the verse says? <laughs> I misquoted it, didn't I? The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto 
all men, even people in the world that aren't even nice to you. You are gentle and kind and thoughtful of them. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, there are people who are their own worst enemy. There are people you know who, who, who just seem to be opposing themselves. What, they, they shoot themselves in the foot. And, and Paul is saying, you've got to be kind to these people and, and try to help them. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth. So this is what it means to grow up. It, it, it means to go against all the things we normally would be doing. We have to not react to the, to the responses of others. I, I have a little story. I wasn't going to tell it, but my wife always said, don't tell that one. But it has, it's a newspaper bore story. And maybe you've heard it because I've told it lots of times. But it had to do with, this, with a little boy selling newspapers in New York City. And these kids are tough. They grew up on the streets. And he stands on the corner with his paper, paper, get your paper here. And the people come in by the millions in New York City every day on subways and trains and things. And they, they work in New York City and every night they all go back out to the suburbs and to Connecticut and all other kind of places. And this man rides a subway into downtown New York every day. He gets off the subway, takes the escalator up to the street, walks out on the street, and there's, walks to the corner. This little kid says, paper, paper, get your paper. And this, this is a very old story. And this man gives him a quarter, that's 25 cents, for a paper that costs a dime, which is 10 cents. And every day he gives this guy a quarter, and he says, thank you, son. And he smiles at him, and he takes the paper and gives him a tip and walks on his way. The little boy never says thank you. The little boy never smiles. The, never, the little boy never appreciates that he got paid two and a half times the price of the paper. He just stabs the money in his pocket, paper, paper. And this happens every day. Now, New Yorkers don't usually talk to each other, but another fellow who rides the same subway follows him up every morning. And finally, he said, well, pardon me, mister. I, I, I notice every day you're so nice to that miserable little brat of a newspaper. Why are you so nice to that little boy who never says thank you, never acknowledges your tip? I says, I'm not going to let that little boy tell me how to act. But you know we do. You be nice to me, I'll be nice to you. You're nice to me, I won't be nice to you. And so we're simply reacting, and Jesus is teaching us not to do that. We are kind even to those that are unthankful. And that's the lesson that we're trying to drive home here. We've got to grow up. And we don't treat people the way they treat us. We treat the people the way we ought to treat them, the way we would like to be treated, not how we are treated. And so in Luke chapter 6, some favorite verses of mine, Jesus is talking to us. And coming in at verse 27, he tells us, I say unto you, which here... Uh, is that you? I, I'm talking to you who hear. Are you listening? Jesus is saying, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. 
Unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. Him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. This is not normal. The people don't do this. Turn the other cheek is a phrase that the whole world has heard, but nobody does it. Do we? And if you would that men, as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them. Not as they do to you, as you would that they do. For if you love them that love you, what well, thank you you. Sinners do that. If you just lend to those that lend to you, you sinners do that. Now, the bottom line of this, is down in verse 38, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall the men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, with all shall be measured to you again. Have you ever considered the limited mercy of God? And people might say, wait, wait a minute. You are really off the rails. That, that's, that's false doctrine. And you would probably take me to Psalm 103 to prove how wrong I am. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know that verse proves the earth is round. And did you ever think if, if God had said through David, as far as the north is from the south, you start at the south pole, you start going north, and you run out of north. You, all of a sudden you're going south again. You keep going south, and you run out of south, you hit north. But you go, you start east and wait till you hit west. You're never gonna run into it. It's endless. And so David says, as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us, which makes you say God's mercy is unlimited. And I come back and say, no, it isn't. The amount of mercy you will receive is the amount of mercy. The amount of mercy you give is the amount of mercy you will receive. And that's what Jesus just said, with the same measure that you meet, with all shall it be measured to you again. And so it, do you want to receive mercy from Jesus when he comes? You better be showing a lot of mercy to each other now. Because if you make if your brothers and sisters, you toe the line, I'm telling you this is the way it is, and don't you deviate from it, and I'm not going to give you an inch. You'll probably take a mile if I do. You're showing no mercy you're not going to get any mercy. And so we, as a family, need to grow up and show mercy to people who don't deserve it. Because God is kind to the unthankful and to the holy. And that's what Jesus said. Love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For God is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father is merciful. So is his mercy unlimited? Yes, it really is, so long as our mercy is unlimited. But the amount of mercy you limit to people that you know, that's how much mercy you're going to be shown when you stand before your Lord in judgment. And so we are a family, a large family of brothers and sisters, and many of us are gathered in this room this evening. Now it's not uncommon for family members to sometimes disagree 
with each other. Sometimes they even have falling out with each other, and that's very sad. We need to be reconciled. We never go to bed angry. If you have, have had a problem with a brother or sister, make up, apologize, even if you're not wrong. Apologize. Sorry you're sorry you hurt them. Well, he's wrong and I'm right. Well, of course you would be right. Who would, who would think you'd be wrong? <laughs> but even when you're in the right, you allow yourself to be defrauded. We want to live in harmony with each other. But as much as we want that to be true, it won't always be true because there are some who will not obey the Lord. And Jesus had the same experience that we're facing. Because in John chapter 7, verse 5, we're told that even Christ's own brothers did not believe in him. Now, that's hard to believe, that, that his own flesh and blood brothers did not believe. Him. They believed that he was Jesus, but they didn't believe that he was the Savior of the world. And yet, he was kind to them. And good news is that after his death, they were converted. James, his oldest half-brother, became the beloved apostle who wrote the epistle of James. And another younger half-brother, Jude, wrote our book of Jude. So. One lesson to learn from this is we never give up on members of our family or members that we've known that just have not embraced the truth, have not been baptized yet. Never, never give up on them. But we want to tell a story and then tie it into a lesson on families as we draw our thoughts to a close. And the story, it's a true story. It has to do with a, it's an ancient history story. It's a history, a lesson in history. People think that history is boring, but it isn't. What happened yesterday is still history. You might have been very excited what happened to you yesterday, but it's history. But it has to do with a man named Alexander the Great. And he was the greatest general, some say even now, that ever lived. He conquered the, the known world in his early 30s. And when he would have a battle and be victorious, and he was always winning, he would celebrate at the end of the day when the battle was over with his generals and his officers. And uh, they would party. And they would bring in to Alexander any soldiers who had done some great heroic deed and tell Alexander, this man did this and that, and he would pin a medal on him. And those soldiers would give their life to have Alexander put a medal on their chest and go off being so pleased that they had been recognized for their bravery. But he had a, after they got through rewarding the good guys, if there was anyone who had been negligent in his duty, they would also bring those in before Alexander and they would recite his crime his offense, and Alexander would normally say, execute. Whom he would, he kept alive, and whom he would, he slew. Those words are referred in Daniel, not to Alexander, but they applied to Alexander. He, he had no judge and jury. He was it. What he said, and so on one particular evening, they brought in a young soldier. He's, 
in his just late teens, 18, 19 years old. And he had left his guard post during battle. And he was not where he was supposed to be. And they captured him. And they brought him into Alexander to tell Alexander what this young man had done. Now, the young man thought he had between five and ten minutes to live. Because as soon as they recited his crimes to Alexander, he'd say, kill him! And they'd take him out and he'd be dead. So they bring this young man in and he's so upset, he's crying, and he can't walk. So they've got his arms around two soldiers and they're dragging him in like this. And he's sobbing like that. And when they bring him in for Alexander, they, they let go of him. And he just falls flat on his face right in front of Alexander. He's lying there, prostrate, sobbing, knowing that he doesn't have but minutes to live. And they said to Alexander the Great, this young man left his guard post in battle. And they just expected to say, take him away, kill him. Maybe Alexander was in a good mood that night. We don't know why he did this differently. But he said, soldier, what's your name? And that soldier lying on the ground looked up and said, Alexander, sir. Well, this great general went into a rage. He said, soldier, I said, what's your name? And he reached out and he grabs him and he brings him. He says, what's your name? Alexander, sir. He said, that's my name. He said, soldier, I'm going to let you live. But from now on, change your name or change the way you live. And he gave him a shove. And the soldiers grabbed him and took him away. Now, what's the point of the story? What do we call ourselves? What, what, what's the name on the wall outside? What's this, what's this group called? Huh? Christadelphia. What does that mean? Christ's brothers. Alexander did, want, did not want a young soldier named Alexander acting in a cowardly way. That's my name. You live up to my name or change your name. And you want to call yourself a Christadelphian? Come to Mark chapter 3, please. Because this is the Lord Jesus talking, and this lesson has to do with families. It has to do with us growing up. And in Mark chapter 3... We'll start in at verse uh, 31. Well, we'll start in at verse 20. Uh, the multitude came together so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his family, uh, King James says, says friends, but other versions say family, heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. In modern versions, say he, he, he's, he's, he's crazy. Now, now, now who, who is this? This is the family of Jesus. Now, don't forget, they didn't believe in him. They loved him, but they didn't believe in him. Now, they ever even got the mother of Jesus Christ on their side. We're going to see that in just a minute. Because in verse 21, they have come to him... To what were they going to do? They were going to lay hold on him. You see, his brothers and his sisters said to Mary, 
you know, he's beside himself. He's not taking care of himself. He doesn't even, it says, it says he didn't have time to eat. He's not getting enough rest. He's not getting enough food. And you know how mothers are. You mothers, you know how you want to make sure your children get enough rest and they get enough food. And so they're all concerned that Jesus is going to harm his health. He's not taking care of himself. So we're going to go and get Jesus. And we're going to lay hold on him. We're going to take him home, give him a good cup of hot soup, and put him to bed. I mean, this is, this is what the, the family is, and they got Mary involved in it. And so it come down to verse 31. Now, the thing is that so many people had come to listen to Jesus that the room was packed. And when she gets to the back of the house, she goes in the back door, and it's full of people all listening to Jesus. Everyone's eyes on Jesus as he's talking to them. And there's his mother in the back. And you know, and, and she, you, 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 Jesus, here's your mother. I'm back here. <laughs> you, know. I mean, you know how mothers are. <laughs> I mean, she loved him. Now, her, his brothers and sisters also loved him. They didn't believe in him, but they loved him. And they're going to take him by force and take him away. And Jesus knew it because Jesus could read minds. He knew why they were there. He knew what they wanted to do. And there she is, and they can't even get in. His mothers and brothers were standing outside. And so they sent to him, called him. And the crowd was sitting about him. And you can just picture now, Mary's at the back of the room there, and all of you people are here, and Jesus is up in front, and, and she's trying to get his attention, and he, he's paying no attention. He's just talking to you. He, he's so engrossed in trying to help you people be saved. He, he, is, he, is, he is totally committed to the people that are listening to him. And people who don't have time to listen to him, he's not paying attention. He's paying attention to those who do. And she can't get his attention. So she taps the fellow on the back there, his shoulder, she, what, what do you want? I, I'm, I'm, I'm his mother. Would you tell him I'm back here? Okay. So all the way up this, what, what do you want? Oh, uh, his mother's back there. Tell him. And finally in the front row, someone says, oh, oh Jesus. That's, I'm not making this up. This is right here in the Bible. <laughs> uh, verse 32, the crowd was sitting about him, and they said unto him, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And he replied, so finally, you see, when you give me the word, your mother's back there. She's oh, so relieved. You know, he's got, hi, Mom. What does the Bible say he did? Let's read it. Verse 33, he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? He did not look back at his own mother and his family who were trying to get him and take him away from doing God's work because they loved him. They thought they were doing what was right for him, but they were wrong, you see. And he looked around and he says, he didn't look at them, he, he looked at you. He says, here, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Now, are we getting the point? You call yourself a Christadelphian. 
That means brother of Christ. Jesus says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? Those who call themselves by my name. It's wonderful to be called a Christadelphian. But you know what that means? It means you have to live up to the name. Alexander said, change your name or change the way you live. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying, you're not my mother, you're not my brother, you're not my sister if you don't do my command. The will of God, the commands of God. So you see, even the family of Jesus at one point needed to be converted. And that's why we're talking so long about what do you want to be when you grow up? We all have some growing up still to do. No matter how long we've been in the truth, we still need to grow up more. Not all the same. Some are more fully grown than others. But there's no one in this room who has it all. None of us know what we ought to know, says Paul. We, we, we all are leaky vessels. And that's why we come to meetings like this. It's why we do our Bible readings every day. We, we, we constantly have to replenish the oil. We, we want to live up to the name of Christ, Christ's brother, Christ's sister. And if we stop doing what he said, then change your name or change the way you live. And so, my beloved brethren and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm so thankful that you came this evening. I'm so thankful that you're willing to grow up in love by being more like your elder brother, Jesus Christ. You don't react to what other people do to you. You do what's right no matter what they do because that's what Jesus did. And he always returned good for evil. He prayed for those who crucified him. He asked God to forgive them for the most terrible crime that's ever been committed on one human being by another to murder the Son of God. And he still asked God to forgive them. And so no matter what someone has done to you, no matter who may have wronged you, and you're 100% right, and they're 100% wrong, you forgive. You allow yourself to be defrauded. You try to live like Jesus. You don't stand up for your rights. You don't have any. You, you bow to others and try to help them, even if they're opposing themselves, says Paul. To truly grow up and be like Jesus means to crucify this flesh of ours and show love as he did. Beloved, we are children of God right now. But it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when Jesus comes, we shall be like him.
but we shall see him as he is.